A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can make a change. We need a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com. This is The Brunch. This is The Brunch. Please welcome Rob and the GDC. Hello, I'm Rob. Welcome to The Brunch, an LGBTQ plus podcast. On this week's episode, I speak to author Matt Kane all about his wonderful new book, The Secret Life of Albert Entwistle. Hello, Matt Kane. Hi, good to speak to you. How are you doing? I'm all right, actually. I mean, it's an exciting time because my new book is coming out this week. Um, but it's also a bit nerve-wracking. You know, we've just lived through a period of massive uncertainty. Well, we still are going through it. And um, I don't know, it means you can never quite relax in lots of areas of your (laughs) life. I found myself just being a bit more on edge than I ordinarily would be. I know exactly what you mean. Um, Where are you? Where are we speaking to you from? I'm actually sitting in my study at home at the very desk at which I write all my books. (laughs) Right, well, that's what we're going to talk to you about today, is your new book, uh, The Secret Life of Albert Entwistle. Uh, Just tell us a bit about it. Well, it's set in Lancashire, in a fictional town, in a working-class community. It's about a shy, lonely, socially awkward and secretly gay postman who realises he doesn't want to be unhappy anymore. He wants to turn his life around. And in order to do this, he realises he needs to find the lost love of his life, a man he hasn't seen for nearly 50 years because he's coming up to retirement age. And that's one of the um, things that prompts him to think about um, what's how he feels about his life is being served notice of compulsory retirement. So it's all about, I mean, the plot is all about his um, search for his lost love. But along the way, you know, you get to see him transform. And obviously I can't give too much away, but um, somebody who very much pulled up the drawbridge against his community because of a past trauma to do with this, lost boyfriend, which you find out more about as you read through in flashback sequences, he kind of, you see him reconnect and re-engage with his community. And actually, funnily enough, speaking about COVID, I mean, I finished this book during the first lockdown last year, but um, several drafts of it were complete beforehand and um, before we'd even heard of COVID. And I signed the deal with my publisher before We'd even heard of COVID. Um, But it's that kind of thing about connection with community and um, human interaction. That kind of theme seems to be quite current now and possibly even more resonant than it was before. Now, the story, as you say, spans more than 50 years. uh, And it really shows how far society's come in terms of accepting, not just accepting, but embracing gay men. Was that something that was important for you to get across? Yes, it was actually. I wanted um, I wanted it to be celebratory. I absolutely wanted it to be celebratory, but also um, to show what things used to be like. You know, it always surprises me how little straight people in particular know. Um, even straight people with, um, 
close family members or friends who are gay. You know, I was surprised when It's a Sin, the amazing Russell T Davis drama, did so well. And I spoke to straight friends about it. And often they'd say, um, oh, it was amazing, it was amazing. But I had no idea that all that happened. And I think, where were you? You know, um, I think we were considered so apart from society that people could just ignore us or easily forget the things that were happening to us. And that was very much an inspiration for me. It was one of my motivations when I was writing the book. I wanted to show just how awful things used to be, but how much they have moved on. And I wanted, I mean, along his journey to find his lost love, Albert makes some unlikely friendships and... um, Often these are, you know, the majority of these, in his case, are with um, female characters. You know, and I wanted straight women, for example, to feel proud of the role that they've played in being allies um, to gay people, gay friends. And, um, you know, without necessarily realising that some of the things that they did were political acts, just accepting people, allowing us to be visible. And, um, you know, I wanted them to feel proud of, the part they've played in advancing our society, as you say. Um, The book is really, I sort of saw it as almost uh, an adventure story, really, for Albert, Um, because he he goes off on this this search and this journey, travelling kind of all over the country, really, uh, visits Manchester and London, and as part of that, he he visits some of the kind of iconic gay venues, um, including the New Union Hotel, and the Royal Vauxhall Tavern. Um, these places kind of open his eyes to a whole new world. Do you think that's a moment most queer people can relate to? Um, yes. I'm going to tell you something. First of all, actually, he also goes to places like Bradford and Blackpool, which don't have quite as iconic gay venues. And I also want to quickly tell you that actually it's interesting that you use the word adventure because the original title of the book Um, and it was bought by my publisher with this book, was The Extraordinary Adventure of Albert Entwistle. And they wanted to change it to add intrigue to the title, which I was perfectly happy with. I just wanted his name in the title. Um, But yes, he does go to these iconic gay venues. And I think in his case, I mean, I know people this has happened to, but when they go through such... um, a horrendous trauma in their life that they pull up the drawbridge and they cut themselves off um, from the world and from, you know, to protect themselves against negative emotions that they're terrified of feeling again. But they don't realise that um, in the process, they're also cutting themselves off from the positive emotions. And I think what happened to Albert was, um, you know, when I talk about trauma, the way he was torn apart from his lost love, whose name is George, I should say, um, which, you know, details of that trauma emerged during the book and, you know, along his journey, so I won't give too much away, but he kind of, um, he hadn't realised how much the world had moved on and how much more accepting it was for gay people. Um, and also, actually, I must say, he um, he struggles to identify as gay because in his head, he fell in love with a man. And um, this is when he was young, when he thought that being gay 
was such a horrible thing and gay people were these dirty, disgusting queers that everybody spoke about and said horrible things about. Um, he just thought... And the only examples he saw of gay people were outrageous queens and he's... The reason he manages to stay in the closet for so long is he's got passing privilege. He can pass as a straight man. So he, when he looked at these examples of queerness that he saw when he was young, he thought that wasn't him. And um, he thought he'd been in love with this man, but he... I mean, it is interesting when you go back in time because the understanding of gayness as an identity rather than um, an activity is something that is relatively recent. Um, and certainly the widespread un- understanding of it is rel- relatively recent. And, um, yeah, he didn't realise that all this had gone on, you know, because he pulled up the drawbridge. It's um, interesting what you say. It's almost like that thing of not of Albert not having access to kind of gay culture. And in the book, he eventually does discover that, whether it's through these visits to kind of uh, ven- queer venues or actually discovering social media where he's able to connect with people. Um, it's, it's this interesting thing of someone who later in life is actually doing what a lot of people may be doing in their teens or 20s. Yes, um, absolutely. Um, yeah, he does. I mean, he is a... I mean, it's interesting because as a writer, you have to... Um, when you're constructing somebody's journey, you, you often have to um, preempt. Um, you know, criticisms that may come your way from readers or objections. And yes, if somebody is um, searching for somebody they've lost touch with after 50 years, you would think some readers may say, well, why has he not looked for him online? Why has he not on so- why has he not looked for him on social media? So what you have to do, therefore, as a writer, is make that character a technophobe who um, doesn't engage with social media. And to be honest, that wasn't... Um, uh, stretch for me because that's exactly how I saw him but um yeah he um he does discover these things relatively late in life um and actually when you think about things like social media and the online revolution I th- I'm not even sure you could write a book um about somebody tracking down a lost love from 50 years ago um anymore because um it's quite difficult to lose touch with people now it's quite difficult to have no digital footprint (laughs) whatsoever and um there are a few twists in the book and there are a few um things that i don't want to reveal but which um hinder his progress and mean that he has no luck finding george online or on social media um and again as a writer you have to um concoct these obstacles and put them in his way um but yeah i don't want to give away any no no it's all part of the adventure Um, it is i'm so glad you picked up on that word um matt something i really liked about the book was the somewhat unlikely friendship that develops between albert and nicole and they they learn so much from each other uh where did the idea for that come from Well, I've got to be honest, um, the idea for that came from looking at several books that had been very popular in this genre that they call Uplit, um, which is about um, unhappy characters delving into their past to resolve an unresolved trauma in order to be happy and turn their life around. And 
when I looked at books like Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine and books by Joanna Cannon and Ruth Hogan, The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harold Fry, um, it was partly through reading them that I thought, I was looking at their unresolved traumas and I thought, oh, I can't imagine something that would have been as traumatic 50 years ago and as socially unacceptable that would be as widely celebrated almost now. Um, but... All of the the other thing that I noticed was that all of these books were about connection with community and um, characters making unlikely or unexpected friendships along the way, um, friendships that cross p- perceived boundaries um, or boundaries that were perceived at the start of the journey. And um, I just looked at this character in a small town in the north of England and I thought... Um, He's 64, closeted gay, and I thought, you know, who would it, um, who would be the person he's got the least in common with, or thinks he's got the least in common with, crucially? And I came up with this single black, single mother um, with a little girl, and she's um, struggling to hold it all together and pursue her own dream of being a beautician, studying at night school, and crucially, um she's also shy and sensitive and everybody expects black girls i mean the whole stereotype in pretty much every book i've ever read is that black girls are sassy and confident and you know um and i always think when you've got these expect when there are these stereotypes and expectations it must be so difficult for people who book them and um you know shy black girls and people who don't know them just come up to them and start saying girlfriend this and just expect to see this kind of outpouring of sass. I kind of think, um, you know, that must be so difficult. So I looked at these two characters who were outsiders for different reasons. She's just moved to the town and um, is struggling to make friends and fit in. She's very much missing her grandma who died recently, who was a similar age to Albert. And um, I just thought, wouldn't it be nice if they became really close friends? And she's exactly the kind of person who, wouldn't give two hoots about somebody being gay now. Um, So I think that was pretty much um, the kind of evolution of that character. Although it's interesting because people always, people never ask about her. They always ask about Albert and George. And um, I love Nicole. It's nice talking about her. Well, she's very important, I think. She helps Albert so much. They help each other, but she really does help him along the way. And I think you hit the nail on the head just now when you said, you know, so many of the relationships in the book are about this idea of what someone perceives someone else to be and then seeing that kind of slowly unravel and realising that quite often we've got no idea about someone and what they're really like because we just see a postman or we just see a single mum. And I love that about the book. I think it does such a great job of breaking down those preconceptions and almost that prejudice that exists around them. Well, thank you. But it's very interesting what you've just said. Um, There's a line in the book, and I can't remember because it's a while since I wrote it, but um, you basically just expressed it. It's Albert is, it dawns on him that all these people who were going about their lives around him and dipping in and out of his world, but on a very superficial level, it dawns on him um, that they've all got their own dramas and um, big events that are happening and... um, either 
making them sad, happy, whatever, you know, inspiring their emotions, things that they think are the most important things in their life. And you're right, we never know what's going on in somebody's life. Why? Um, if somebody, for example, people think Nicole um, is snappy and haughty. She's not, she's just shy. And um, experiences have happened to her without giving away too much about her backstory, which have led her to be mistrustful of other people. And um, it is very easy to misjudge um, people we have around us. And you're completely right, the way you just expressed it, we can never know what's going on in somebody's life. Um, something that I think is really important to say is we've kind of you've referred to this idea that there's this traumatic event in Albert's life. But the book itself is an incredibly warm book and it's got a lot of heart and a lot of laughs in it. Um, it's a, it's very funny in places. So I think it's just important that people understand this is a this is one of those books that I think you could pick up on a summer holiday wherever you are off to if it's in the UK or if you do get on a plane um, and you could sit in the sun for a day and read it cover to cover. Thank you very much. I liked I liked to think of it as a warm, sunny book. I mean, it's difficult when you talk about books doing publicity because um, you can only talk about the plot in the first third of it, really, or else you end up giving stuff away. And um, yes, this book starts with him being unhappy, but it only lasts for about a quarter of the book. And you get glimpses of what's going to happen. And yeah, there is a lot of humour. I think... Um, I think... Often people have said to me that when you have humour, it undercuts emotions. But I think gay men in particular have always used humour, sometimes as a defence. Um, but we've we've always mixed humour in with intense emotion. Um, and I mean, obviously not all of us, but I think if you look at our culture, we're overrepresented in arts and creative industries that involve um, that draw on humour or disseminate humour. And um, I'm sure there's an interesting thesis that somebody has written somewhere about why that is. Um, but I think, yeah, I could never, I could never, somebody once said to me, you always write with heart and humour. And um, I could never write with without humour, to be honest. Or I think if I went through and stripped out all the jokes, um the emotion wouldn't shine through anymore. What you'd be left with is less of a book. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely true. I mean, humour is a fantastic kind of coping mechanism, isn't it? So it makes sense that it sits quite comfortably next to sadness and, and trauma. Um, you've had some great early praise for Albert uh, from people including Ian McKellen, Russell T Davies and Lorraine Kelly, who said that she sat down and read it in one sitting. Um, you must be feeling... Lorraine was the first person we sent an advance proof to who came back. She literally must have got it on a weekend when she was quiet. She read it straight away and came back to us like within 48 hours with a quote. <laughs> um, but you must be feeling pretty good about this book going out into the world. Yeah, I mean, like I said before, um, times are uncertain and it's always a bit nerve-wracking. And when also, when you really care about a book and you you know, you feel so passionately about it and about its message and um, you've put so much of yourself into it. You, It's difficult to detach emotionally. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm feeling positive about it. Um, but, you know, by um, the end of this week, we should have a better idea of how it's going down. But hopefully, I mean, yeah, we've only had very positive reactions so far. I literally just saw a 
post on Instagram from Matt Lucas to say that he's reading and loving it. So, um, yeah, it's fantastic. And everybody's um, being great and lovely. And, you know, when you sit on your own writing a book um, at your desk, where I am now with my cat who's just jumped onto the desk, um, you um, that's what you really hope is going to happen. And it's quite humbling and touching when um, readers do start connecting with it. Now, the book is dedicated to Harry, who you describe as your very own Albert. Um, and I understand that you're both gearing up for a wedding. We are. Sorry, I've just got to um, apologise for the fact that the cat, you got a little meow from the cat there. <laughs> um, yes, we are. Um, I had already started writing Albert. I'd always wanted to write about an older gay man going in search of a lost love. And I'd, I was already writing it when I met Harry. Um, but I, I mean... I met him at the age of 44, which I appreciate isn't that old, but it's old enough to see all your best friends marry and settle down and to start to feel like love has passed you by. And, you know, I passed 40 and thought, I'm going to have to give up on it now. It might never happen. And I had to make peace with that. And I was lonely, to be honest. And then I met Harry out of the blue um, at the age of... 44 he was 46 and he's had his own journey and challenges in life and he'd only come out the year before he met me um he'd pulled up the drawbridge for um various reasons of his own and um yeah certainly um i mean they say about writers that we use everything in our lives i mean i think my experience of being lonely before i met harry and then um him coming into my life certainly added an emotional depth to what I was writing. And uh, how is the wedding planning going? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so last year, um, in between lockdown one and lockdown two, we got engaged, which was great, and booked a venue and all that straight away, and it's all very exciting. We um, we are now going full steam ahead. It's in December this year. There's just slight wariness because Harry's South African, and... Um, as I'm sure you know, South Africa is right at the top of the red list at the moment. Um, and they're only just starting their vaccination program. And if his key guests can't come, um, do we go ahead with the wedding? Um, and I don't know the answer to that question. I feel like we've waited so long, you know, we weren't, didn't even have wed- um, marriage as an option available to us until relatively recently and the two of us because of our personal stories have waited a long time to meet each other I feel like I don't want to wait anymore but I also feel like I don't want to compromise on the wedding that we have um so who knows at the moment it's happening and we're very excited well congratulations on harry and congratulations on a wonderful book uh, the secret life of albert entwistle by matt kane is out on thursday the 27th of may you can follow matt on twitter and instagram at matt kane writer thanks so much for joining us on the brunch matt it was a pleasure to talk to you thank you it was my pleasure That's it for this episode of The Brunch. Don't forget to follow the show wherever you're listening. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, why not rate the show and review us? Uh, Next week is the last in the series. Ah, but we're joined by the lovely Rosie Wilby from the hit podcast, The Breakup Monologues. We'll see you then. Have a wonderful week. 